Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Three, two, one, and we are back. And today we are going to be sharing with you what is absolutely positively working in today's market. And this isn't just conjecture, or this isn't just best guessing, or this isn't just, you know, having watched a bunch of, you know, so-called YouTube coaches. This is from actual frontline agents from around the country and some of the best uh, performing uh, I think a lot of them are existing superstar agents, but a lot of them are the next generation of superstar agents. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be giving you four things that are absolutely positively working now, and we're going to be giving you the names of the agents, if you can remember all of them, mm-hmm. <laughs> of uh, how they're applying it and how they're making money, uh, what they're doing now to make money. And I'm going to share with you guys the premise of today's podcast. And we don't know the answer to the question I'm about to post to you. My beautiful wife was uh, and I were this morning talking about all the housing data that is you know always is percolating and Julie gets her information from Altos Research. Mm-hmm. You get it from Housing Wire. Yes. And, and what and Housing Wire and, what's, and uh, Real Trends and Real Trends, right? Mm-hmm. Housing Wire and Real Trends are the same entity. Mm-hmm. And Julie writes for those uh, entities for as well. Yep. You write occasionally for NAR. You write for mm-hmm. Inman. We write for Florida Association of Realtors. Which, by the way, uh, <laughs> if you're not using Chat GPT four. There is a very effective tool so that you can start, you know, doing what Julie's doing, writing a lot more car- uh, articles. She's just started using it, but now she can, you know, and I'm using it as well. You can churn out so much more high quality content. It's insane. But that's a different podcast. Yes. So what we're doing is we are asking, um, we're trying to just solve this for this question. We know for a fact that there are a ton of real estate transactions, and Julie's speculating until proven otherwise. I think this is probably accurate. There's at least 30% uh, more home sales that are happening that are being reported. Now, we think, and if any of you know, and we're still trying to research this and no one's given, has anyone given you an answer to this yet? No, I've thrown out my hooks, but I'm waiting for people to get back. Right. So we asked the editor of National Association of Realtors Magazine, who we have a long-time relationship with. We asked all these other folks. We're asking the question, are the home sales data reports that you're hearing that everyone relies on, the Altos researches and the Real Trends and the Housing Wires and the everyone else, are they using information from National Association of Realtors or are they using like Desaltos gets it from NAR or where are they getting the research? Because if 30% of all the homes that are selling are not listed on the MLS, which is what our theory is, that means the data that everyone has been leaning into is largely incorrect. Again, we don't know, but it makes sense that Julie's theory is correct because add to this the amount of new construction mm-hmm. that is never in the MLS that you don't know about until you go to talk, and we're going to talk, that's you know point sure. number four, that you don't know until you go and talk to the new construction rep. So we have a theory that really what's going on, in addition to lack of inventory, is there's a market shift that's happening faster than it was over the last five years of agents learning how to do their own deals without, frankly, co-ops and without having to even deal with the sort of existing aristocracy. Yes, and it's very interesting because I think that this move to do those off-market transactions, in other words, they never flow through the MLS. When we say off-market, it means you're not going to see it pop up on your hot sheet or anything like that. I believe that because we have such massively suppressed inventory, remember, we actually lost inventory last week, 1,100 fewer homes, and it is clearly the right time of year to be adding inventory, and yet we're not. Well, pause there. So that was a story that Diana Olick on CNBC did. The reason we're giving you guys this podcast today and this information is because we want you to be smarter than the average bear. Yes. We want you to have facts, and we want you to be able to have lucid conversations uh, with buyers or sellers who are probably only going to CNN or Fox or even CNBC to get their housing reports. And we think the housing reports that a lot of people, it just gets bounced around. Diana will will report on something that came out from NAR. And, you know, then everyone else re-reports on that. And the whole, essentially, the lack of information on some of this housing data is causing a lot of people to be massively confused, probably you. 
So that's the whole uh, focus and obviously how to help you guys how to lead generate and make money is always to focus this podcast. But when we're going through this um, information, be thinking how you can apply it, how to make yourself more valuable to your buyers and sellers in your marketplace. That's right. But base it on fact. I'll give you an example. Uh, Jeannie in Phoenix had an actual seller who was also a buyer say to her, well, I don't know if I can follow through this transaction with all the banks failing. I'm not sure that I'm going to get approved. And with the prices just crashing, I don't know whether I should be selling right now. Now, both of those facts are not true. There are yeah. elements of truth, but those extremes are not actually happening. Now, Jeannie is smart enough to combat that with actual facts from her actual market with list to sell price ratios being real close to 100% with very little inventory and homes having less than 30 days on the market. That's because she watches her hot sheet because she's involved in coaching and she knows how to counteract that thinking. Her uh, thought was, gosh, what in the world is he listening to that he's thinking this? Because it was causing him a great deal of stress. So we want you to be informed. Remember, knowledge equals confidence, ignorance equals fear. So one of the things that came out from a lot of coaching calls, I wrote this to myself, beware. This is a cautionary tale to all of our listeners. The best buyers. Now, what do we say best buyers? Who are they? We call them best buyers because these are motivated, qualified. They either have their loan in place or they're all cash. And many of them come with listings. Not all of them. Some people are keeping their houses, turning them into rentals, what have you. The best ones are taking matters into their own hands. That's right. They are door knocking. That's real. I had several instances of that on calls. Going to open houses and finding new construction by themselves. So here's the question. Are you doing all of that? Those of you who have on your whiteboards, because they've been paying attention to past podcasts, they're tracking what they do. On your whiteboard, you have a big list of buyers. And next to some of those buyers also says their potential listing, neither of which you have because you have not found anything for them to buy. What, here's the question. Maybe this is too much accountability for a podcast. Hmm. What do those buyers who you consider to be your clients think that you're doing all day? What do they think you're doing? Are you out there hunting for inventory or are they taking matters into their hands and doing it themselves? Well, actually, you bring up a good point. So if you're, I'm going to expand your point and make it a, a seller buyer, right? So it's a- Yes, especially you, them. Someone shows up in your life and they're a buyer and they're wondering why they should work with you because you seemingly, all agents are the same after all. And what are you going to do that's special? Mm -hmm. Well, you're going to use the notes from today's podcast. You're going to prove to them the extra value that you are going to deliver to help them find their next house. Oh, and by the way, they also have a house to sell. You guys get it? So you're going to have to do something other than what everyone else is doing, which is waiting around uh, for pigs to fly and the market to change. We are in a long-term cycle in five or 10 years of high inflation, higher than any of us have experienced in our lifetimes for a longer consistent period of time. Uh, let's say in our adult lifetimes for the vast majority of us would be a better way of saying it. And so this is the new market. It's not gonna return to the old market. Um, and you know, guess what? It's gonna, right now you're seeing a lot of people because they've never experienced it before. Not, I'll give you guys, an, uh, it's just an interesting thought. If you were only uh, selling real estate for the last 15 years or less, you've never really experienced anything other than the market going in one direction. If you've only been selling real estate, and this is Julie and I included in this one, since like, say, for example, even if you go back 25 or 30 years, you have experienced some recessions and some setbacks and the housing crash. But for the most part, the market was almost always only going in one direction. Even during 2007 and 8 and 9, the market radically changed around as soon as the government started injecting mm -hmm. tons of money and lower interest rates and all the rest of it started to happen. Well, that means you've been spoiled. You've been spoiled as the real estate practitioner, but also so have all your consumers, your buyers and your sellers. They have expectations that are not realistic given the new world that we find ourselves in. So during a time of you know deep contemplation, like what we're in now, it does cause a lot of people to feel very fearful. And when people feel fearful, they take no action. Thus, what you're seeing happen in the market right now where there's lack of inventory. So if you want to have an unfair advantage in the marketplace, you absolutely positively have to move people forward. Um, you, frankly, you don't even need fancy scripts or you don't need anything manipulative. You just need to hit them with, over the head with a bunch of facts. So Julie, let's yes. go uh, get to your four points and let's talk specifically about what people are doing, what agents are doing to put deals together in this market. That's right. And none of this is speculative. This is straight off of coaching calls with real transactions as a result of these four things. Oh, and by the way, boop, 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 special notice. None of these things cost money. None of these things are it's about true. buying leads. None of these things require a 
complicated drip system. Matter of fact, these are the antithesis of all the things you guys have been told to do over the last 15 years. None of these things are going to require fancy branding or a bunch of videos. All of these things do require effort. Yes, but your gross will equal your net. That is a beautiful thing. In other words, when you sell something because you don't have a bunch of expenses against that sale, you know, you make $15,000 or whatever, you're going to put in your pocket after broker split almost all of it. You guys get it? It's a beautiful thing. Okay. So point number one, what is working? Targeted door knocking. What do we mean by targeted door knocking? This is different than just random hitting the streets uh, door knocking. So what do you do? Almost all of you have a list of buyers, many of whom come with listings. Know your client's needs. And by that, I mean really drill down on what is a deal maker, what is a have to have. Don't even show me anything that's a two bedroom. I got to have a three bedroom. What is a icing on a cake? You find me that, I'm going to buy it today. All right. So you gave me an example of a client, a personal coaching client of yours that did just that. And uh, you told me about this yesterday. I think it was a gal. Mm -hmm. I think it was Tina. Forgive it was me. Tina. Forgive me coaching clients if I mix some of you up that have lots right. of uh, similar so, great experiences. Okay. So Tina did this. So, so the first step is really know your clients. What do they have to have down to the exact neighborhood, style of home, school district, as specific as you can get, because you're going to do targeted door knocking. She went to that client's specific neighborhood. She knocked on, it was less than 50 doors. Okay. Well, but the client said, I will sell my home, list my home with you. If you find me this. If you find me this. Yes. Yes. And it wasn't just like, I need a two story. It was this exact thing. So Tina went hunting. Okay. Along with Tina's hunting, she took door hangers in case she missed them. This is what I'm looking for. They have to have this neighbor. And the sample door hangers and all that stuff's on Premier Coaching. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So less than 50 doors. She actually had somebody say, why, yes, I am thinking about selling my home. Could you come in and tell me more about what you're talking about? On the spot, she had that appointment. Now, interestingly, that client, and I, I think this is the, the right deal. Okay. So that, that potential sale, which meets her buyer's needs. And remember that buyer comes with a listing that seller might actually like her buyer's house and they might actually do a trade. Now we're going to use all real contracts and do it the right way. But that was from a door knock, which cost her zero money and not that much time. Okay? Well, also there's no co-op. There's no so co-op. She's, she's in control of the whole transaction and nobody's competing for the deal. Right. And so she's, she made her own market. She was a proactive lead generator and assuming all this works out, I don't know the average sale price. It's pretty, it's just under a million. Okay. So she's going to say, let's make, uh, she's going to sell $1.75 million worth of real estate. She's going to make tens of thousands of dollars. And she, I mean, who knows? Do you know how many doors she had to knock on? Less than 50. Less than 50. That is a damn good return on investment. Well, in fact, I love to tease coaching clients when they have these victories and they are happening right and left. I mean, the premise of us talking about this was how many off-market deals are happening. They're happening everywhere. Any agent who is motivated to do the things we talk about on today's podcast will put their deals in contract. It's worth mentioning. Um, agents do not have, you do not have to put your stuff in the MLS if the seller signs something, say they don't want it in the MLS. There are agents that Julie and I know. As a matter of fact, when Julie and I sold real estate, we did this as well. We didn't want all of our transactions being reported because, frankly, we got to the point where we didn't want to be on all. I know this sounds ridiculous, but it's true. We did not want to be on all the lists of the top this is and the top that's because it became distracting. And so we just wanted to focus on basically helping people buy and sell real estate and making money. Those were our primary focuses and all the attention we were getting when we sold real estate, all the you know people wanting to, you know, awards and whatnot, that was a distraction. So we excluded ourselves from almost all, almost all of that. That's what we speculate is largely happening right now, which is the reason we believe a lot of stuff is being unreported. There are major brokerages, I know Compass does this, where they have a very organized system to make it so that their agents do have the ability to sell in-house to other Compass agents, never on the MLS. And they market it internally first. And the reason I know that is because we are re uh, recruiting a lot of Compass agents over to EXP. And when, when they're telling us their production numbers, we get them, you know, helping them do the spreadsheet to figure out how much money they're going to save. It's usually a very significant amount of money, 50, 60, $100,000 they're going to save going from Compass to EXP. But one of the things that we continuously see is they say the numbers that you're getting from the MLS don't include, usually it's another maybe 20 or 30% in revenue that came from off-market listings. 
That is what Julie and I are getting at when we are telling you that there are things happening that are happening off, essentially under the table. Not in an ethical, illegal... No, but just under the radar. You're not going to see them pop up in your MLS. You're just not. Right. And all this started, by the way, if you want some little history lesson on this, this all started when listing agents really got sick of essentially buyer's agents uh, being uh, marketed as the listing agents on Zillow, on Trulia, on Realtor.com. Mm -hmm. Listing agents were you know, taken advantage of to the point where they got sick of it and they started figuring out how to do you know, That's where coming soons and off markets and all the rest of it... That came as a direct result of listing agents uh, getting tired of having their work product essentially co-opt for no amount of money. And people, you know, that's what happened. If you wanted the history well, lesson. And if you're a buyer's agent and you're saying, yeah, you know, that's not fair to us. Well, go get your own listings. And one of the ways that you can do that is to utilize this technique. You take your buyer, you get their needs, you go door knocking for what they want. Now, you can only sell one house to that buyer. Do you think that by having multiple conversations, you might then generate listings as a nice byproduct of this. Of course you will. Well, just, and in most of my coaching examples, it wasn't just the deal that they put together. They also uncovered the next listing in the neighborhood. I was just thinking how funny this is. So when Tina, what's her last name? Bloomberg. Bloomberg. And what state is she in? Atlanta. Atlanta. Good job. So when Tina Bloomberg was doing this door knocking, I guarantee you nobody stopped to do a, a quick brand check on her to see no, any TikTok no, no. videos had. Nope. Nobody was going to check to see how nothing. She had a buyer. She had a transaction. She was ready to do a deal. That's all that seller cared about. She was at the door with something of value. I have somebody who wants to live in the neighborhood. Tell me who's ready to sell. That's that's pretty valuable. Do you guys see how proactive lead generation is a hell of a lot more effective than doing all the passive stuff? I know you believe that the passive stuff over time essentially builds to the point where you know where you never have to do the proactive. But what proof do you have that that's true, dear listener? Because it isn't. The second you stop doing the branding and the marketing, which is all it is, is advertising. The second you stop doing it, the second it stops being useful. When you run an ad, if you're going to get any response at all, it's going to happen almost immediately. And after that, it's going to dissipate. Whereas a long-term reputation, which only comes from having helped, you know, lots and lots of people buy and sell real estate, that's something that is going to last a lifetime. That's what you truly want. But that only comes from doing the real work of real estate. Yes, and I'm thinking of, uh, I think it's Kristen in Fort Worth. Forgive me if some of this gets, you know, there's so many deals happening on my yep. coaching calls. It's great. Okay, so uh, she had an instance where she was door knocking again for a buyer's specific needs that has a listing attached. And the uh, seller, potential seller, said, you know, we are going to sell our house, but we've already talked to three different agents. We think that we know who we're going with, but since you are at our door, and you sound already talking to you for the past 10 minutes more professional because you're using actual facts and things like that. So we send our coaching clients door knocking with, you know, averages on the market and well, list to sell price ratio and all that. They're also using in some cases as a door hanger, but let's give them a little bit and don't lose track of your story. But mm -hmm. I mean, just so we can close that loop. Yeah. They're using sellers wanted flyers too, I assume. Mm -hmm. Yes. And in sellers wanted flyer, those of you in premier coaching, it's basically make sure you're copying it. It's where you're listing off a very sort of, uh, you know, you're giving a description without mentioning names of your uh, potential buyers uh, for homes in that particular neighborhood and their time frames and their price ranges and those types of things. And then that's what they're giving to these potential sellers. So it's not going to be one buyer. It's going to be maybe five or six different buyers. Maybe, by the way, you don't have five or six different buyers that are looking in that neighborhood. Ask some of your other agents, uh, yeah, friends. Work and so together. You work together, right. So you guys get the point. So this is, you're giving something, here's a, you know, five or six or 10 different buyers that are interested in purchasing a home in your neighborhood. And on the top, uh, the way Julie and I originally designed this was at the top, it said sellers wanted in like an old West, you know, wanted, wanted. type font. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. We don't mean dead or alive. We, we mean, we want your listing. Okay. So finish your story. Okay. So she came across somebody who did not have a sign in the yard, you know, looking at the house, you'd never know. But the, uh, the missus said, you know, I, I think that we're going to hire this person, but you know, you sound really smart. Maybe we need to talk to you too. So she said, I will talk to my husband about this and we're going to call you. Maybe you can come out this weekend and talk to us. Okay. So that's an appointment that's happening this weekend. Point being, that is a potential listing that she uncovered through door knocking for a specific buyer need. Well, will she sell it to that buyer? Maybe she will, maybe she won't. It's still a listing lead. That's right. And that's at the end of the day, what you're generating in, that's the power. That's always the power. If you want to have long-term longevity in real estate, you have to be a listing agent. That's where all your leverage comes from. That was a lot of L's in one sentence. Yes, it is. But here, let me hover on this point, then we'll go into the next one. Advantage to you, the agent, as well as to your buyer-seller clients. Look at this for what it is. 
your buyer is not going to compete against other buyers for an off-market listing, are they? How many buyers are stressed out, even taking themselves out of the market because they're tired of that? And when you're trying to win that buyer's business in the first place, who also has a house to sell, don't you think that that buyer-seller client is going to see a tremendous amount of uh, you know benefit from working for you, working with you? Don't you see how you have an unfair advantage in the marketplace because you decided to get off your keyboard and go out and be a proactive yeah. lead generator? You're literally the reason that they're getting their dream home. Yep. Okay. Now, advantage to the seller of that house that you identify for the buyer, they might not have been moving because they were afraid of what they're going to move to. Now, because you have complete control of the transaction, closing date, possession dates, you can create the right scenario and guess who your next client is? The seller of that house. You lather, rinse, repeat. So what I'm coaching our agents to do is become matchmakers. The match the buyer's needs with what you've got out there. So well, you lots me, of advantages you here. You told me another story. It'd be fun to drop mm -hmm. it in here. You had another new coaching client. Maybe it was Tina. <laughs> you told me a remember. lot yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Um, where you were describing that she had a set goals of selling X number of homes. And she, oh, had, yeah. a, and she had a really nice average sale price. I think it and, was Tina. And it was like one house per month. And you, were, yeah. you stopped her and added up. If she just got half the deals that she's got, you know, the place Cooking. spinning for it. Well, yeah. because she's been doing this for 60 days. She doesn't yeah. just have one opportunity, right? So we added it up together, as I often do on coaching calls. That is my my job to keep the train on the tracks. I said, do I have my notes right? That The goal is a deal a month consistently uh, for 90 days in a row, which is good money. There's nothing wrong with that goal, especially if you've never done it before. And I said, you know, I think maybe we should consider upping that goal because just what you have on your plate from, I think it might not even have been 60 days worth of being proactive. I think it's more like 45 that she has six to eight transactions. Let's say that half of those come together. That's just one month's worth of work. She's probably more like a 36 deal a year girl. We'll see. She listens to this podcast. So I know. I just no pressure, that. Tina. Okay. Well, Tina, up your goals. Up your goals <laughs> I think with she your can do wonderful it. coach, Julie. Increase what you're expecting from yourself and your business this year. Absolutely step away from CNN and Fox News and just drilled on the successes you're already having. Well, they're she's not listening to that stuff. She just has leads that are. Right. Yeah. Well, it's just going to multiply. The, I you know. know. Oh, someone asked me the other day. I didn't... Uh, I, I don't think I mentioned it yet today. Uh, Julie's coaching schedule is officially full, but we are filling, we are starting a wait list. So if you'd like to be on the wait list to be in Julie's schedule, or frankly, she decides to take on any more clients, uh, you can text me directly and we'll have a little back and forth, a little pre-qualifying, to be honest with you. That's what we're doing. Uh, if you just want to save that, just send me a description of yourself and your time in the business and all the rest of it. And then I will set a call up with you and Julie and you guys can decide whether you're a good fit. And if you are, you can go on our wait list and she can decide. Like she's got clients that are taking maybe two or three months off for the summer, things like that. So, you know, who knows? So if you're interested, text me directly at 512-758-0206, 512-758-0206. And even if you're not ready for what many consider to be the number one real estate coach in the nation, Julie Harris, you still can enjoy the benefits of Premier Coaching for free for 30 days. So simply go to premiercoaching.com, premiercoaching.com, and you can join Premier Coaching for free. And you do get access to a daily semi-private coaching call with head, head coach Rochelle. So go to premiercoaching.com and just sign up. It's very simple and no obligation. And you get immediate access to a lot of scripts and the systems that we talk about on this podcast. But if for those of you who are ready to go to the top of the mountain the quickest and you're ready for it, do text me directly and we'll have a conversation about you being in Julie's schedule. And that is 512-758-0206. And for the rest of you, the perfect uh, launching pad to be involved in our coaching programs is definitely to go to premiercoaching.com. Remember when, um, no, there is no texting other than me nope. and there is no disclosure because right. it's my private cell phone. There yes. you go. Good yep. point. Okay. So we're talking about things that do work in today's market for putting deals together. Point number two, expireds, especially old expireds. Why old expireds? Because hardly anybody prospects them. And in the time it's taken for them to want to get back on the market, you probably can get their price. So there's some statistics around expireds, which is always eye-opening. Um, I'm sure this isn't current, but it's pretty damn, I bet it hasn't changed much. Something like 90% or 95% of all expireds relist and sell within six months after their expiration date. Yes. So virtually all of them uh, go back on the market and are then sold. And here's the thing that's freakish that will shock many of you. Many, here's a great script. Uh, Mr. Seller, you might be surprised that in this market, sometimes the best homes aren't selling and not for the reasons you're being told. 
Now, why am I saying it like that? Because probably their previous listing agent lacked any kind of real experience in knowing how to say anything. It was probably just hammering the seller for a price reduction. But here's the eye opener. The price probably wasn't the problem. And matter of fact, guess what, listeners? If the house has been on the market for, say, 180 days or even 90, inflation in the nature of this market has probably made the house, ready for it, more valuable than when the house was originally listed. I know there are mountains of reports coming out about the, oh, let's, we should talk about this, mm -hmm. all these Mickey Mouse reports coming out about, you know, trying to, uh, the titles and the headlines are written in such a way that you'd believe that real estate values are falling. Oh, yes. This, Guys, this it is, is a real such insidious BS. Listen to what Julie and I are uh, telling you right now. Asking prices are dropping. Values are not falling. Just because an asking price drops does not mean the value has fallen. It just means that the seller was overpriced. Big damn deal. It's not the same. But listen, like, okay, remember I was telling you guys, anyone is, you know, most humans haven't, you know, working humans haven't been, work, weren't working 15 years ago. That includes all these reporters. So all these reporters have no experience in what, they don't even know the difference. You can tell when you're reading some of this crap that they don't know the difference between actual falling values and reducing reduction of prices. You can tell by the way they express themselves. It is so obviously written by people that do not know crap about real estate. That's right. So they might uh, read some report that says, you know, I think it's something like 20% of active listings have come down in price. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Oh, prices are falling. Not the same. That means that that seller is probably making, you know, 14% profit year over year versus 20. Well, technically prices are falling, but values are falling. Values are not falling. Right. So if the house got relisted, you know, or was listed 90 days ago, and that seller who was an inexperienced selling, uh, uh, you know, seller in a market like this, because they'd only been selling during hot seller's times, same with their listing agent, they priced it, you know, too aspirationally. And now they're having to reposition the house on the market to correctly reflect the buyer's expectations. I just hit you guys with a couple <laughs> scripts. Were you paying attention? Truth bombs. Truth bombs, right? That's all it is. It's just essentially the repositioning of the house on the market. I didn't say lowering the price, did I, listeners? No, and it does not mean that they're on the foreclosure train either. Right. I didn't say lowering the price because if you want to know a surefire way for a seller to fire you or never hire you in the first place, yeah. say lower your price. Lower your price is similar to hearing, well, I know what it's similar to. If we had to go to a third night of Zoe's Willy Wonka, <laughs> and if I had to hear those damn Oompa Loompas singing for a third night in a row. Oh, I know. God bless the performance. It was amazing. But hearing that Oompa Loompa song, it, it's going to take me two weeks to completely <laughs> get it recovery. out of my head. You know what I'm saying? But that's what it's similar it's to. It's about the same. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're so kidding, it, aren't you? I just stop that. Okay. Oompa no, 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 no. Make it stop. All right, so expireds, especially really old expireds for the reasons that we have just stated. You probably have no realtor competition there. You're going to have a great conversation with that potential seller. And again, it's an off-market listing that you don't have to compete for. Do not do not look at the old expired list and say, I'm not calling that one. It's out of my area. Or, I'm not calling that one. It's too cheap. Or that one's too expensive. Or I'm not listing any lots. List everything. Go after everything. You don't know. Every single expired, go after it. Okay. Old expireds, because generally speaking, nobody else is calling them. New expireds, though, are always going to be the best ones. And here's an interesting fact. Well, many of you hopefully should know that by know what I'm about to say by now. But whoever gets to that new expired the first first is almost always the uh, going to get the appointment. They might give an appointment, an opportunity to list their house to maybe the first couple agents that call. But as soon as it rolls, if you're having an, if you're in a market where other agents are calling, which frankly aren't, there are not very many agents calling anymore. But if you're in a market where San Diego, for example, where they're organized people calling, teams call, mm -hmm. and they just kind of like completely spam the market with new expireds, well, getting there first is going to get the appointment. If you're there 10th, you're not going to get the appointment. You're going to probably get a pissed off seller. You guys get it? Well, so you should call the fresh ones first as well as the older ones. You need to work yep. both ends of the spectrum. That's exactly right. Okay. Now, shout out to Federico in Los Angeles because he has his sights on a $5.5 million dollar uh, it's basically a teardown with a nice lot with a beautiful, just amazing view of Los Angeles. And I think it might have a little water view there too. Now, this was a multi-time expired, but here's the beauty in that. And I, I think he's probably going to take that listing this weekend. Uh, he's going to use that as an opportunity to prospect developers because the best use of that property is to develop it because it's in a neighborhood of 10 to $15 million houses. And completely. And here's the interesting thing. You told me about this one too. The seller is in a nursing home 
and you guys are now seeing. So let's say, for example, when the property was originally listed with the first listing agent, the seller was still living in the house, let's say. Second time, still living in the house. Now he's in a nursing home. You guys see one of the biggest secrets to having to being a successful listing agent, ready for it, listeners, is have the listing when it sells. So what happened was is the original listing agent and even the second listing agent didn't realize that the homeowner was planning on moving to the nursing home you know, sometime in the future, and they should have paced their relationship and their conversations and their pricing strategy, frankly, around the seller's time frame. Because as the seller yeah. moved into the nursing home, now Federico is going to get it, and that seller is going to be much more receptive. And by the way, this reason it sold, I'm going to say this again, may not have been priced. It may have just because the seller didn't allow showings. Maybe they, maybe he wasn't ready yet. And, yep. and I think Federico is going to take it at a potentially much better price. Why? Because his seller has found his motivation. Yeah. Okay. And and you know, he's I don't think he's probably going to compete for this. I think he's the only one talking to this guy right now. So, interesting. Well, Julie, when you are proactively <laughs> generated, you hardly ever compete. This because is true. Agents don't know how to be proactively generators. Well, they haven't had to for a while. Right, so, they haven't. Yeah, new skills. All right. Point number three, open houses are killing it right now. We did a whole podcast series about how to not just sit your open house. I hate it when agents say, I'm going to go sit an open house. I'm going to go be passive today. How to actually monetize your open house. We had a podcast series. We have a big chunk of coaching and premier coaching about it's a whole, it's how huge. to do open houses. There's an art to it. Yeah, but there's a whole section on premier coaching. Just go to premiercoaching.com and join. And we have done past podcasts. This podcast is only an overview of what you get in premier coaching, obviously. If you guys love this podcast and... Well, guess what? Tens of thousands of you do. This podcast in fourth, our first quarter of this year is going to have well over a million downloads. And that's not including listens, probably another 250,000 listens. So this is, you know, there's 1.6 million agents in the United States and who knows how many uh, globally. But you're talking about a lot of people that are listening how to become successful in real estate because of this market. By the way, thank you for continuing to keep this number one listened to daily podcast for real estate professionals uh, in at least the United States. But yes, we cannot give you the whole drill down system for open houses in particular. It's far more than just a sign in the yard. You have to really work it if you want to get the most benefit from it. Yes. So shout out to Tammy Irby in Northern Virginia because she did a recent open house. I want to say it was like a million three, million four in one of her favorite neighborhoods, her listing. She had not one, not two, not three, but 15 individual different potential buyers. And in that price range, of course, many of them will have listings. So that the beauty of the open house done correctly is look at the efficiency of her time. She spent about three hours. Now, if you add some of the prep time, maybe she had five hours altogether in that. And she made all of those contacts face-to-face, voice-to-voice, pre-qualifying them, sorting out who's got listings, who doesn't. She made all of that contact in five hours or less. And, and meanwhile, some of you guys are just you know, spraying money into the world and praying that you're going to get something to bounce back. Well, exactly. How many of you guys are now spending your five hours and you're rationalizing, well, I'm going to use my time more efficiently. I'm going to do a bunch of social media posts and a bunch of TikToks and a bunch of CRM follow-ups. I know you guys are, you know, I grind some of you on this podcast because you hear me say this all the time. But the reason is, is because we want you to be successful. We want you to help people. We want you to make money. And the way you do it is doing the real work of real estate. And anyone who's believing that they can shortcut the real work of real estate is delusional, especially in a marketplace like this. If you don't believe me, go look at your dry erase board, assuming you have one, the one that says closings on it, and count how many closings you have. Get off your duffs and do the real work. And guess what's going to happen when you're Tammy Irving and you're these other people and you're starting to help people and make money. And by the way, did you pick up what Julie just said? She was holding a house open that most likely was going to attract people that were moving up in price range or maybe moving moving down and downsizing. So most of the buyers of the 15 buyers that she met on that day, I bet you, uh, you know, 12 of them had yes. homes to sell, mm-hmm. which means that she wasn't meeting with buyers that day to buy the house. She was actually on 12 different potential listing appointments. You guys get the 100%, point? 100%. And I can tell you whenever Tammy does that, because she does not mess around with her open, she does it right. Everything is beautiful. She's got it all set up exactly how we coach. Um, she gets predictably one to two new listings every time no with ref- a whole bunch of, with no referral fees, yep. uh, no fees at all attached with, uh, more lead follow-up. So it's not just those one to two immediate ones. She has some trailing business as well. So this is a fully developed spoke of business for Tammy. She takes it very seriously. She doesn't just dabble in open houses. 
she makes them work. Open and you guys can too. Open houses in a market where there's not a lot of home, where there's not a lot of for sale signs in yards are a gold mine. Because buyers, the best buyers, guys, again, this is information all of you should have been exposed to from listening to our podcast. The best buyers are not searching online. The best buyers are driving neighborhoods on the weekends looking for those new signs from the houses that are not making it into the MLS. That's what they're doing. They're going to the open houses. The best buyers themselves, to Julie's first point, are being proactive. Meet the best buyers in the marketplace, in the marketplace, and you're going to make a hell of a lot more money. That's right. So last but not least, and we've done a podcast series on this as well, point number four is finding new construction for your buyers. That comes with a whole lot of upside to it. Again, whether they buy a spec home or they build, you're probably, they're not going to have to compete. Builders have, most of them have inventory that they need to sell. Remember when a builder is building a neighborhood, usually they have a construction loan. They are allowed to build X number of houses first. They can't go to the next phase until the first ones are sold. They are highly motivated to move inventory. Every builder has deals that come apart for some reason. The buyer doesn't get their financing. They lose their job. They decide to buy something else. That's hidden inventory. That's not in the MLS. If your buyer has to build, that's fine too. You're going to need a commission five or six months from now. And they're going to have a brand new property that you don't have to worry about inspections. You didn't have to compete for it. It's all good. All right. So you have a new coaching client. And I remember this one because he's in Columbus, Ohio. Yes. Okay. And you are, uh, what's his, his name? Patrick. Okay. Patrick. Murphy. Murphy. I'm very impressed because I know these are all new clients. You mm -hmm. got all their stuff down. Very good. Julie Hopefully. Harris. <laughs> all right. So Patrick Murphy and you sent him on a mission. Yes. And it was, you told me about this maybe a week ago. Yep. Describe using as an example, new construction. Yes. What okay. You had so, him do. so Patrick has potentially 20. And when somebody gives me a number like that, I kind of drill down like really 20, 20 real buyers, but he could tell me their names, what they wanted, what their financing situation was, their price ranges, and if they came with a listing or not. So go, Patrick, for knowing your stuff, right? Some of you listening don't know your supposed buyers that well. So that's job one. Okay, so the job was to first, as we talked about at the top of the podcast, drill down on exactly what they want. What is their price range? Would they consider new construction? And even if they say, well, I don't think so. I want to have trees. And a lot of them say that too. You'll be surprised how many just have this mindset about, or like, for example, Patrick, if I remember correctly, as I did talk to him, mm -hmm. was selling in, wasn't it around Dublin? Westerville, Dublin, Hilliard, a um, little bit of German village, actually, Victorian village. Julie and I used to live in Columbus, the reason we know these markets. All right. So a lot of people uh, that live in, say, for example, German Village will say, I just want to live in German Village, or I just want to live Very in much Westerville. So. I don't want to move outside of the area. And look, sometimes it makes sense. They have kids that go to the schools and whatnot. But here's the interesting uh, reality of it is, a lot of, not all of them are actually, a lot of them are going to say, I want to live in this particular city or town. But if you expose them to new construction and they have the flexibility of moving to an adjacent neighborhood or community or town, they're going to do it. They just don't know it's available. They don't know the yeah. benefits of doing it. It's lack of exposure sometimes. And we talked about that on his coaching call that he has three for sure from his list of 20 that new construction absolutely does make sense for them. And that'll probably be his next three sales, hopefully, and spin off some listings as well. So th then he had two or three other ones where he thought, well, maybe what we do is this. We set up two or three resale, exactly what they say they want, that area. But if there's something nearby, so like, uh, say, Westerville versus Dublin, they think they want resale in Westerville, but there's new construction in Dublin, he's going to show them, you know, the criteria and then say, you know what, I've got to go meet this builder anyway. Why don't we just run it up the flagpole and see how you feel? We'll walk through a couple of model homes that are in your price range. I got to pop by anyway. Let's see how you feel about it. Because you and I both know, having, you know, actually sold real estate for a living, that oftentimes when you walk into a new model and it's decorated, it's beautiful, your mind shuts off the, what do I have to fix? What's going to come out in the home inspection? How old are the appliances? And I, I look around and gosh, you know, there are trees here and there's a sidewalk and look at that really nice little, you know, neighborhood park. And this one comes with a neighborhood pool. Gosh, you know, maybe I could imagine living here. You know, it's so funny. You and then the builder throws points at it and your interest rate is two points less than the going rate and you're done. And the, by the way, they include all new appliances and the decks included it and they're going to finish the basement if there's a basement. Yes. You know, it's funny when you were saying that. I, you know, it's been a long time since we sold real estate, but we did sell, you know, thousands of homes, yep. right? But I do remember being in that exact situation, especially <laughs> our first couple of years in real estate, where they would say, I don't want new construction, right. you know? I want to live in this town. I was born here. That was going to be the end of it. And they walked into this home and it, you always knew that they were interested when they shut up 
And they stop talking. <laughs> and they spend a lot of time wandering around exactly. the house. Exactly. And, and by the way, when you're in situations like that, a little advanced coaching for all of you, let the new builder, new build rep do their job. Your job is not to do the new build rep's job. The worst thing you can do is start talking when the new build rep is there. The new mm-hmm. build rep is going to do a better job selling their product than you are. And let the new build rep, uh, you know, you don't have to. You do have to register your client and then let them do their thing. Right. And by letting them talk, you're going to learn a lot about their product as well. Right. And you're not supposed to go in there and negotiate and act like you're some sort of, you know, the new build rep is going to do their job. You're just supposed to sit on the sidelines and be there to support your uh, buyers. They move forward. And what you'll discover is a lot of times, like I said, the buying signals from a well, really, almost every buyer is when they stop talking, but especially with new construction, especially when they're all having their eyes open to the fact that, yes, you know what? Turns out I do. Well, I'll tell you another one that's interesting, mm-hmm. you know, since we're talking about this. When people say, I want a large lot, I want to be on an acre, I want to be on five I live acres. in the country. Well, I got news for you guys. Nobody really does. <laughs> I mean, that's people say that. And then you say, well, that's interesting. I appreciate that. So why specifically, Mr. Potential Buyer? Do you, are you looking for, like, what are you looking for when you say privacy? What, and what you'll discover as you drill down, and these are all part of our buyer pre-qualification scripts, which is part of Premier Coaching, by the way. They don't really care how big the lot is. It's not like they've got plans to build a barn and raise chickens. They just don't want to be looking in on their neighbors. And so you then spin the conversation to say, so what I'm hearing you say, Mr. Buyer, is really what you're looking for is privacy. You want to go home, you want to be back in your backyard and, you know, not be forced to, you know, essentially be in your neighbor's backyard. And they're going to say, yes, well, let's look for lots that maybe back up to a tree lines or, you know, maybe a reserve or, or, you know, preserve rather. Maybe we're going to look for places that are naturally designed to make it so you do have a private setting, even though the lot is not huge. And they'll say, well, I'm open to that. But you've got to be a professional and help to coach and train um, you know, your buyers and whom also might be sellers to make decisions that are going to be in their best interest. And don't go, don't assume even upper end clients know what the hell they're looking for. You're going to have to actually ask more questions to really drill down um, and really explore what the actual meaning of what they're saying is. And here's, yeah. I'll give them a third example. Okay. okay? Um, this is another classic agent mistake. A buyer shows up, I'm looking for a good deal. And where do your minds go, agents, right? I'm looking for a good deal. You guys are automatically thinking price. Instantly. And then you email me, how do I get a list of foreclosures? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Well, guess what, listeners? Very, very, very rarely to anybody buying a home to live in, especially if they have a family, is price the most important thing. Like never, never once maybe in the history of homes. People might say that, but really what matters most is convenience. Now, what does that mean? It means that they can move from their where they are now to the new home and not have a lot of delays and hassles. That is going to be worth, in many cases, tens of thousands of dollars. The longer you're in real estate, the more you're going to realize that price is very rarely the most important thing to normal retail buyers and sellers. Investors, house flippers, and all the rest of it, different conversations. But normal people, they're looking for convenience. They're looking for you to remove hassle from the transaction. Price is going to be something that's naturally going to come up. But if you lead in your mind with how can I make this process simpler and easier, then you're going to attract more people to want to work with you. But if you lead with, you know, and this is an amateurish mistake and say dumb things, frankly, like I'm going to go beat the buyers up or the sellers up for you. The reason I'm in the marketplace is because people work with me because I'm a big jerk and I can go out and make the listing agents, you know, cry because I'm such an aggressive negotiator. Some of you play that game. You will lose because guess what's going to happen? The marketplace isn't going to bend your will and the buyers are going to realize that you are just basically tall hat, no cattle. You won't just lose the offer. You we won't just not win for that client. You'll actually lose the client That's as right. well. Yep. So don't make that mistake. When and this all, A lot of this conversation goes down to you know, asking better questions, drilling down deeper, listening to the answers. If somebody says, I want a deal, what do you mean by a deal, right? Maybe maybe that means they just don't want to compete, which brings us full circle to finding something off market. Well, Julie just led into it, right? So I appreciate the fact you're looking for a deal. I hear that all the time. So what does a good deal mean to you? That's the actual script. I don't want to get in a bidding war. I don't want to have to close an appraisal gap. You know, I, I just want to find the right house for my family. They did not in that conversation say that your job is to go find them a foreclosure or to beat the crap out of a seller to lose 15 deals and lose the client in the process. Now, with that said, if you do get somebody who is looking for that scenario where you're going to beat the crap out of the seller and they're not going to buy unless they're buying for 30% below market, you probably don't want to work with that person. That's probably not a deal there. That's, that's what we call in coaching an early warning sign 
<laughs> that you're going to waste a lot of time working with somebody who's not actually motivated to transact. Yes. However, there's a conversation that goes with that as well, just to make sure that you've got that down. So for example, would it surprise you to find out that the areas that you're looking in, the price range and the type of home is typically closing at about 102% of list price? Would that surprise you? Meaning if it's listed for a million, it's going to go for a million 20. Would that surprise you? They're always say, really? I heard a headline that prices were falling, especially I, right now. I right? was just on CNN. It said the sellers are crying and they're basically you know, going to do anything to get it. Nope. No. And in fact, that's based on the last six closings in the neighborhood you're looking in. Now, you're proposing to come in at roughly 83% of list price. So if you're that seller and you're that listing agent and anybody looking at that house and they know that it's going, assuming it's priced right, that it's going to go a little bit over list, why would they even consider an offer like that? If you were in the seller's position, knowing what the market was doing, knowing you could probably sell for at least your full list price, assuming it was listed correctly, price-wise, would you take that much less? Would you even counter that? Even if the seller's massively motivated, would you really put the house and fire sale it at that kind of discount? You guys get it? This is, all goes back to scripts and skills. And all, most of your problems, by the way, in your real estate business will are not due to the buyers or the sellers. They're due to you not doing a really good job pre-qualifying them in the first place. And you essentially, you know, attaching yourselves to people that really you should have been working with in the first place. And Julie did point something out that was very important. You oftentimes are going to have to ask a similar, the same question in a slightly different way two or three times so you can help the client, mm -hmm. the buyer, the seller work through actually what the hell they're actually thinking, you know? Because if someone was just, you know, they're meeting you at Starbucks to go look at homes and they're just listening to some bogus housing report from bogus <laughs> news, you know, yeah. and they're showing up thinking they're going to somehow basically, you know, grab the market by its tail. You're going to have to really, as Julie said, hit them with some facts, take their temperature, know what their motivation is, know what their time frame is. And even if they are maybe coming from a heightened emotional state, if they really have really good motivation, you know, they've got a family and the family, the kids got to be in school by a certain time. They're, the market is going to, from you showing them properties, and maybe they have to make a couple offers to realize that they're not going to get a deal. And unfortunately, you're going to have to suffer through that in some cases because a lot of these buyers are going to be stubborn. Well, then go through it and then just say, make sure they're learning from their experiences so you don't lose them as a client. That's right. So you have to be working harder now than you used to. We have less people experiencing FOMO, fear of missing out, because they already missed out the super low interest rates. That is over. But here's the good news. The market is settling into the new reality. That yep. is happening. And no one's really worried about rates going up again. because No. And in fact, uh, mortgage purchase applications are up yep. for a couple of weeks in a row now. Now, inventory is down, and that means that you've got to do the things we talked about in this podcast. But people are applying for loans. I believe that the rate right now is about 6.8. However, you can do a 10-year fixed for about a half a point less than that. You can do mortgage rate buy-downs. The five-year arm is, I think it's below six, it's like 5.8 or something. So people are coming to terms with that fact. Now, it is also true that some of them are keeping their homes, turning them into rentals. It is true that fewer people from your own coveted past client center of influence list are wanting to move because they already locked in that rate two years ago. There's no reason for them to move. So that means there is there is less frothiness in the market. Not everybody wants to move because they can, because they've got all the equity and the low interest rate. There is less opportunity, but with the same amount of agents out there. So I think that this is going to be the great sorting out, this low inventory problem we have. I can, I can hear it from coaching clients. My, my perspective as a coach is that the ability and willingness to do the things that it takes to put deals in contract in today's market where your MLS is not pumping you deals, it's not raining inventory on you. This is going to be a big differentiator between agents who are sitting around waiting for the drip system to work and you know magic inventory to arise and the ability to actually negotiate it if it did arise versus people who are highly motivated and proactive literally putting their own deals together off market, like half of what I heard about on coaching calls this week. I think this is going to be the, the big difference is this migration towards doing these private deals. That's right. And by the way, the temporary and we temporary could be a year where sellers are standing. Like if you have to sell, if you have to sell for financial reasons, relocation reasons, maybe a home you know issue that you, you don't want to have a bedroom upstairs anymore. The house is too small. The house is too big. The low interest rate's not going to keep you locked into that house 
forever. Eventually, you're going to have to pull your equity out to buy another property. Or maybe you don't actually have a mortgage. Or, exactly. But it, what will happen is your the have-to-sell sellers, the reason they are selling in the first place, it will circle back around. They might keep their houses off the market for six months or for a year just because fear, right? Knowing, uh, sure. Not knowing, frankly, working with a real estate professional that can help uh, go through the fog and give them the facts. That's what this today's show is about. We are mixing that in with ways for you guys to generate leads, help people make money, right? So until they have that information, until they've settled into the new reality that the market, the price or the uh, interest rates aren't going to drop, right? When people are more comfortable with you know inflation always being uh, increasing the cost of everything, then they're going to put their houses for sale no matter what their existing interest rates are. That might be next year. In some markets, it might be sooner. In some markets, you're going to see, and you know, I, Julie and I have certainly experienced this ourselves. Fortunately, we have rental properties where houses never go for sale. I mean, people will you know, live there forever and ever mm-hmm. and ever. Sure. You grew up in a neighborhood like that. I still like that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, people never move. I know. It's amazing. So here's the thing. Here's the decision that you have to make. Knowing, I would make the assumption that we're going to continue with low inventory. I would make the assumption that you're not going to wake up to 3.5% or even 4.5% interest rates. Make those assumptions now. Stop waiting for the market to bounce back. Stop even waiting for the spring inventory to show up, okay? We're through the woods on all of that. So the decision you have to make is to either lower your expectations for this year and lower your goals and say, you know what? It's just not going to be my year because there's just nothing to sell, Right. Or you can be proactive and make the market what you want. Put your own deals together. Learn how to do that. Increase your skills to increase your profitability. I cannot end on a better note than that. So listen, guys, thank you for continuing to keep this the number one listen to daily podcast for real estate professionals. Do like and subscribe and do not be afraid to give us a five-star review on iTunes. If you're listening to us over on YouTube, please do subscribe. And we love to read your comments and all the rest of it. Guys, this podcast, this market is all about being of service to other people. Hopefully you agree that we are being uh, of service to all of you. So please do reciprocate and do like, subscribe, and leave reviews. All of that stuff matters. It helps us to do a better job knowing if we're on target or off target for, for the sake of content creation. But in addition to that, all these little platforms then will realize that this is useful information. Real estate agents love it. And then they share our information with other people. That is one of the reasons why this is the number one listen to daily podcast is because iTunes recognizes from the reviews and the downloads and the listens and the rest of it that this is something of value. So then they share it with other people that they think might be a match for it. So help us to continue to do a great job for all of you. We sincerely appreciate it. This podcast, we don't get paid to do. We get paid through goodwill and long-term benefit of helping all of you. And guys, it's our pleasure and it's our honor. So on behalf of Julie, myself, and all of our faculty and staff, a fantastic day. There are thousands of past podcasts waiting for you over on iTunes and on YouTube. We'll talk with you tomorrow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.